Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL Tour. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Find us on Audio Boom, iTunes, Spotify, and hopefully uh, a few more platforms moving forward in the future. Make sure if you haven't already, rate and review us on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, fifth and last NRL podcast, or on Twitter at fifth and last. That's the letter N, uh, not the word end. Boxhead, what's going on? Hey, come man. I tell you what, there's been a fair bit of drama between all of the media outlets the last couple of days, mm. warring tribes driving agendas against one another. What a world we live in. And look, in the Fenwick department, the answer's a pineapple. They've Barishnikov'd him. Holsky <laughs> <laughs> polsky oh, I don't know. I don't know. I tell you what, he's having a great time on Triple M. Every time I listen in on the Sundays at the moment, him and Maroon. <laughs> no, no, not that. Him and Maroon on those Sea-Doo ads. C-do. I will bark it up. I will spark it up. Will you get on my C-Do? C-Do. Oh. Yeah, good. Yeah, there's been a lot of axe grinding, isn't there? Oof. Jeez, isn't it funny when the uh, the gun's pointed the other way and a bit of fire starts coming across the bow for the media? They uh, they don't like it much. They like firing them. They don't like copping them in the bulletproof vest, do they? Yeah, well, it's been interesting, and I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about. The particular well, the, yeah, Griffin, about the dragon stuff the last few days, that News Corp and... Uh, the Fairfax, Fairfax side, yeah. and you've got Fox and Channel 9 and differing opinions from the journalists on uh, each side. And again... And the answer really is a pineapple because no one no, no one no one's knows. right. And again, I guess that's the, the main thing. The person that knows are Gus and Griffin. And this is the point we make a lot of the times when people listen here, when we have a different opinion and someone says, I read this or I heard that or you're wrong. Well, no one's necessarily right or wrong. The biggest thing is have your own opinion. Yeah. Um, and again, any opinions we do make generally is most of, you know the best information you have at the time and uh, I think you're better off forming your own opinion a lot of the time rather than listening to half the shit you read because nine times out of ten these days everyone's just more worried about being the first one to the punch yeah, or having an axe to grind in certain situations. No, it's true. Yeah, I guess that's one thing And, and the sadder part is again rather than talking more about the football side and the pros and cons and why someone should coach it turned into a basically a slinging match which is the sad part. Yeah. But Anthony Griffin's been forgotten. Poor bastard. But, uh, we'll jump in straight away. Our set of six, six thoughts, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. And the first one we've got here, Andrew Abdath. Big bit of news. I think yeah. we, we all knew it was going to happen that the he South African, there, yeah. he would be appointed to be the CEO of the NRL, uh, working with Peter Volandis. But yes, Andrew Abdath has been locked in. And basically, uh, from what I have seen so far, he's doing the job in the background, doing it. Oh, look, the, the, the thing is, right, there's been, uh, the decisions have been hard and fast. They've been, 
Uh, I'd say non-controversial, but I think the lack of controversy has been through how short, sharp, and direct the decisions that have been made have been. I think more you know, importantly, like transparency. It's been no fluff. It's been transparent. It's been black and white. They've moved quickly. They've been efficient. Uh, they've got the game back. They're talking about cost cutting. They're talking about a future awesome. directive for the game. So, um, look, I, I think he deserves the the, the role. I, you know, he certainly didn't do anything. I don't think to warrant him not being the front runner for the job. And is there anyone else really out there that you'd say is a is a, is someone who could have gone into that position? Instead of him off the top of your head, yeah, I probably think... not. A lot of them would be affiliated through Clubland. That's another part of yeah, the whole in. Abdo, uh, the whole Abdo situation that I really like is that um, he's not involved no, at no. a club. He doesn't have a prior involvement at a club. So... I think one of the better things though, he has been in between the four walls already. He's seen the previous agenda. He's from the commercial space. He, yeah. Everyone's given him raps. Why? The previous regime was in for the work he's done. He knows how to make money. He knows how to take care of money. And his background's in an area that's needed right now for the game anyway, which is financial structure and trying to introduce money back into the game. And the biggest word I think he brought up when he was on there was accountability, transparency, and we've seen it so far. He doesn't really want to be a celebrity. This is the first time you've really seen him on the forefront the last few days in front of cameras and media outlets because now he's been announced. People obviously want to uh, ask him some questions. Correct. Everything today, again, led to exactly what he spoke about, which was transparency. Talking about the $80 million cost, cut, uh, cost cutting this year in particular uh, would is not as big an issue right now because they don't have overheads with stadiums and other bits and pieces. But in the future, you know, it's probably going to be closer to $50 million a season. It's going to need to be spread across the game. It's not just going to be head office, but head office is obviously going to be significantly shrunk. Their teams and their departments and their roles are going to be trying to merge together. Some of it they've already admitted is going to be felt by the players, probably not as much as other areas. Yeah. But the players are probably going to have to take a small haircut. And so they should. Of other ways. But yeah, the big thing is he's on the front foot straight away. Um, there's no doom and gloom. He put out all the numbers. They reckon things are down close to 25, 30%. Said that the game previous years bringing in 540 to $550 million. So take of that of what you will. It's basically $180 million. It's out the door because of COVID. But yeah. I think the bigger part that's is... Probably, realistically, that's a good result. Everything seems to be wanting to unite. Again, be transparent and be accountable for everything they're doing. Whether it be rule changes, whether it be you know trying to unite the clubs, get back into grassroots football. There's a lot of unhappy people and a lot of mistrust in all levels of the game right now. And yeah, from right. everything you heard today, they're looking to unite the clubs the players, the state leagues and grassroots football in particular, not only cover the, all the areas we've got now, but get out into regional areas again, which all everything I heard sounded good. So let's hope um, that he keeps doing exactly what he's doing now, which seems to be doing his job, yep. staying low, and uh, he's not trying to be a celebrity. He doesn't really want the limelight. And I think we've also got a good balance between him and Valenis. He is the quiet one in the background trying to find money, trying to cut costs, trying to do the right thing for the game. Then you've got Valenis, who's a bit more... Outlandish, gung ho, and uh, with his background, what he's done seems to be a pretty balanced combination. So, um, couldn't agree more, my friend. Yeah, fingers crossed. But yeah, I keep going back to that same word that I absolutely loved: transparency and accountability. He's taken the job seriously. He wants to be accountable for everything he does. He's going to answer to the people, to the stakeholders, to the fans, the clubs, and he wants to unite on all those levels. And we know ourselves, 
especially with state leagues, grassroots, etc., there is a massive divide um, across a lot of levels of the game, which shouldn't be the case. And post-COVID, three-phase plan that uh, he's basically outlined was stabilise, first of all, post-COVID, which is going to take a couple of years. Renovate, so not need a knockdown. We've got a great product, but basically make some changes that are beneficial for the game, the clubs, the players, and all the stakeholders, and then growth at the right time. And they spoke about how some have said, well, you're still talking about expansion. It's only going to be with the right owners and the right business model and something that's sustainable for the league. So, um, again, it all sounds really, really positive. Let's keep our fingers crossed that in a couple of years' time, he just keeps doing exactly what he said, being transparent, being accountable, and the game's heading in the right direction. So, That's right. Yeah, I yeah. don't have much more to say on that, but good appointment. Liked everything I've heard, and, and fingers crossed it does work. Yeah, the, the the fact that I've heard really nothing from him. Yeah, there's been nothing negative said about him. He talks when he needs to talk, and he, you know, he's quiet and just gets his job done when he when he's uh, appropriate as well. So, no, nah, full steam ahead. Yep. Tackle two. Two of the coaching appointments have been sorted out. The Brisbane Broncos still. Not to be resolved as of yet, but it seems that it's dragging on. Um, and we talked about it before. After all the noise, it almost seems as though the club either doesn't have faith in the Kevin Walters thing or they don't want to give the satisfaction to the old boys who pretty much got their way here. But I heard some the other day, again, talking about Green or Walters. And I think it was Talos or somebody said that he thinks that Walters still ticks more boxes for that job than Paul Green does. Like, I guess, again, if you want to go back to a personal level and being beloved by the club and all yeah, that. But, well, again, even the other part that was brought up once again about the emotional side of things, like being emotional every week in Clubland is not a good thing. Emotion's only going to get you so far. For a three-game series, that's all well and good, but for an NRL job, you need a lot more. But, look, he, he lost his composure the last two years, Kevin Walters. That's my point. Like, when I heard those comments, though, During like, the Origin series. How, how could you even question the differences between the two of them right now? Like, he's been assistant, sure, to two of the best coaches. I'm not sure why there's this uh, persona or attitude that Green is aggressive and black and white and, you know, this sort of dictator. I think he needed to be a dictator going into the Cowboys. They mm. needed a dictator. They needed someone to say, listen... Cut the shit out, cut the excuses out, cut the soft play out, cut the princess behaviour out, and let's get these really hard uh, values in which are going to lead you to getting the most out of your talent. And that's what we saw. They won a competition. Yeah, they they could have won won two. With significant They could have won three within that time with Jonathan Thurston. They made, they, like, he made a grand final without him. Mm. Everyone now bitch and, bitch and moans about, you know, how clubs go backwards when superstars of the game leave. Yeah, they got time. They made a grand <laughs> final. <laughs> so, I, you know, maybe he got a little bit prickly at the back end of his tenure, but, yeah. you know, it was it was obviously the right time to move on for all involved. Yeah. So I, I just don't like that that narrative is peddled in the media. And whether you like it or not, clubs actually buy a lot of the things that are written without actually having the conversation and going through that process. So, again, and I've said it the last two weeks, Brisbane just need to make sure they go through a very, yeah. very thorough process. Pick the person you think is right. I'm not saying, again, Green over Walters or Walters the other way, but don't buy into, I, the, old, no, don't I, buy into I, the old boys. I want the coach to walk in and have the direction yeah. and have the vision for the club and have the plan set out. This is what I want to do. This is why. And have that direction laid out. It shouldn't be that you're feeding a coach um, a, a direction. You know, from an overall and a holistic perspective and uh, from a hierarchical point of view from a club, you've got to have a, a direction 
But in terms of from a football department perspective, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is the direction I want to take the team in. This is why. Um, and that's a, that's a coach's job. Plain you know? and simple. You're the fucking Brisbane Broncos. Stop buying into your old boys. Don't buy into any of the bullshit. Yeah. Interview your candidates. Look at where you're at and pick who is the best person for you to move forward. Correct. Forget the narrative from all the old boys that it has to be Kevy and he's part of the club favorite. Paul Green also played for the club. Yeah. And they're still not banging his drum. I don't care about any of that. Pick the best coach. Pick yeah. the person that's right for the situation you have right now. All right? And again, I know it's, it's all, again, lopsided and you push your agendas and everyone's got their, their side of things here. But I'm sure if you want to come down to the crunch right now, the better coach would be Paul Green. Yeah. He's a, better, a he's a better credential coach. Yeah, bit different personality type. If you want Kevy, employ Kevy, but don't don't try and say that he's a better and more credential coach than Kevin Walters on paper because he's not. No, or well, don't dress it up to be something that it's not because they all keep saying the same thing. He'd need the Sorry, right assistance. Sorry, Paul Green. He's yeah. not a more credentialed um, or no, better coach he doesn't have the in terms record. of resume than than Paul Green at this point in time. Origin is just not, appoint him. Yeah. Go, he's the man that we want at this point in time. Origin is not club football, but no. plain and simple. Do your interviews, do your due diligence, and make the decision. Don't go off what everyone else... And this is the point, again, of what you said about media agendas or ex-players. Like, the Brisbane Broncos are the last club that should be dictated to by anybody. Yeah. And, again, I don't know if they've got the right board, CEO, and those guys in there right now to make that decision, but they shouldn't be bowing to the pressure of their old boys just because they want Kevin. I agree. Plain and simple, if it's this board going forward without Paul White, go through a process, make sure you get the right coach, whoever the next CEO is, who knows, but I still stick by what I said originally, that I would have rather have that side nutted out first before you pick the coach. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe they are going to hold on that long. Paul Green doesn't seem to be going anywhere. From all reports, he's not coming to Sydney. He's waiting in Brisbane, whether it's that job, the Queensland job, or this potential second franchise. But Kevin Walters has clearly stated he wants that job, and he's missed out on that job and a couple of jobs now. But my thing is just I just don't buy the narrative that, oh, he was with Bennett, he was with Bellamy. Look, you know, that doesn't make you a good coach. We've no, seen plenty of guys leave under Bennett and Bellamy or take over afterwards and things haven't panned out. Plenty of people have come from the storm tree that haven't been successful once they've left the club. Just because you've spent time, particularly with an assistant, it might open you up to be a more attractive offer because you've come from a club to think that you'll bring some of those traits or assets or what you've learned with you, but it doesn't guarantee success. No, it doesn't. The only real head coaching role he's had is when he went to Catalans. I think it was 09 and 10. The first year they got into eighth spot in the last round and they ended up getting on a bit of a hot run and making the prelim. The year later, he quit and they were coming dead last. he come back home. Yeah. So that's the only real, you know, sort of head coaching role where he's had full control. And again, that was a decade ago. So I can't really draw on that even so because the Super League was in a different position. The game was different at that time. And we're here in 2020 right now. So plain and simple, both resumes, what they've done, all that, take all the bullshit and all the noise out of it. Interview both. Look at the situation you're in and head in the direction that best suits the club. On the flip side of that, Peyton, uh, probably no secret, we heard some murmurs that Ferner and a couple other guys did well or interviewed well and Sean Wayne, but Todd Peyton and what he's done this year uh, was obviously no doubt driven his success probably and he's interviewed well and he was already previously at the Cowboys club, but he's got that job. So that right now you'd think would be a good appointment. Look, he just slam dunked it in the way that the Warriors have played in the last eight weeks. 100%. I think he's handled himself outstandingly well in all facets, in particular. Uh, you know, the, the whole way he's been around the group since the Kearney sacking and how he's handled the situation, not having his own family. Also how he spoke about the Kearney sacking. Yeah. It was all just done really, really well. He deserves a crack at a head coaching job. He's, he's done, done a fantastic job. A real apprenticeship, like we said again as well, though. 
He's done twenties. He's done these other levels. He's been to a couple of different clubs. He's seen, uh, you know, different philosophies, different setups, the way all these different clubs have worked. Yeah. Uh, from New South Wales up to North Queensland, now over in New Zealand, and he's previously been at the club, so they already knew a little bit about him. But to see him get hands on in the situation that they've had this year and unite that group, uh, I'm sure they'd be excited to have somebody coming in who's also coached some of their key young players right now that have been through the twenty system when he was there as well as the relationship he's been able to forge with some of the senior players like Roger, Tohu, etc. at the Warriors right now. Yeah. So they probably feel he's a good fit for, I wouldn't say a rebuild for the Cowboys, but it's going to be a bit of a rejigger of the roster over the next 12 to 18 months when you introduce your Robsons, your Drinkwaters, Cliffords, uh, Hamiso, Tabufudo, Tuolagi, Pere. Like they're going to have to roll some of those guys in. And you're probably going to see the back of O'Neill. Gavin Cooper, etc., a few older guys, and whether they go to market or whether they stick with their pathways that have been bearing some fruit the last few years, I don't know. Michael Morgan's the other one you've got to worry about. We're probably two or three years into that deal and he's not been healthy. No doubt about it, he's a great footballer when he's healthy, but they're going to have to make a tough decision at some point. That whether, you know, if he's never really going to be on the field or health is going to be an issue, they're going to have to move on. Yeah. Agree. Um, the last two or three years just haven't been good enough. Yeah, Holmes played a pretty good game. The other night, I'm not going to get too excited, but it's the best we've seen all year. After a rough start, he had a poor first half, but yeah. there's some good things there, and I don't think there's any pressure. Well, we said that. Like, all yeah. this shit at the start of the year about, oh, Holmes is back, and Holmes is going to nah, set the world wide. Like, you saw what happened with Jared Holmes. Yeah. So, the proof's in the pudding, and, you know, he wasn't a slam dunk fullback. No. To start with, he, was like just he played there spontaneously at Cronulla. Scratched the surface before he left. Correct. Well, so, he left at the worst time, if anything. Well, I think next year is going to be when we're really going to start to see how good of a fullback Valentine Holmes can be because he's going to have this year, which has been interrupted, but he's going to hopefully have a full preseason where he can learn the position uh, under a, a new head coach. I need steady halves, though. That's the other thing. Like, it's all, all the facets around it, the forward pack. And forge, yeah. But, yeah, I think Mitch Dunn showed some positives. Can, you know, Peyton turn around Hess? Hopefully he can. He's still very, very young. He debuted young. I think he's only 22 or 23 still. Uh, are those two your future back row, along with Tal Malolo? Francis Molo staying for one more year. I think Asiata's probably going to be out the door. Like uh, Tommy Gilbert, only 19 years old, playing some football now. Another one from their junior system. Like, these are the kind of guys they're going to have to nut out the next 12 to 18 months who they're going to move forward with. And I'm sure they will go to market. They've been successful in the last few years finding some players. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might add one or two, but it already seemed like before Green left this year, they are already off Isan Masters. He played his first game on the weekend for a long time. And there's a few guys that probably need to be moved on to free up some space. So yeah, well, I could have told him that. I, I, think, I didn't like that signing to start with. Yeah, I think he's easily got next year as a clean slate to start with. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any pressure at all. But the year after... You'd want to see some growth from the kids and potentially some roster moves to maybe push for the eight year after. But at the same time, if all things fair and equal next year and Morgan's healthy and you've got steady halves and everyone's on the field and things are trending in the right direction, they probably should be battling for the bottom of the eight. But I think that's a good appointment. Um, He's definitely done himself, like you said, no harm with what he's done over at the Warriors. And the other appointment, which has caused all the drama and the divide we spoke about basically at the start of the show, Anthony Griffin. Um, it's been talked about that Ferner yeah. was in the loop and Griffin and that it was going to be young. They were going to ask for Flanagan to be reinstated, which was never going to happen. Then it was going to be young again. Young apparently said if it wasn't going to be him, that he really liked Griffin in the time he spent working with him. I really don't understand what all the fuss has been about about the appointment. 
Look, if you want to ask about what happened at Penrith, you're going to have to ring the board or Gus. I've moved on. Yeah. Good uh, on him. He's got the job. Plain yeah. and simple. Uh, whether you like him or you don't like him. I got the yeah. job, Dad. He's went... He's, yeah. <laughs> good Freddie, movie. Freddie got fingered. How good. Crazy movie. But, yeah, the agenda's been driven by both sides. Everyone's saying for, uh, you know, Webster, Widelar, Gould, that it's pushing his barrel and that he's the one who fired and moved him on and has basically said... Uh, quoting on the other side of the fence that he can't coach, but I can work with him. Then on the flip side, you've got Fox and Fairfax, isn't it? Pushing. Uh, no, no, Fox, sorry, News Fox Corp. and News Corp. I'm mixing up the bloody tied, things all the yeah, time. And then you've got Fairfax and Nine. They're pushing the other side of the barrel. Which is Webster and Gould. You know, and he brought through the 20s at Brisbane. He came in and debuted six players. Look, I'll tell you this. Better like, position. At, at Penrith. The, the systems that were in place when Anthony Griffin Matt got Cameron there were the, were the systems that were there when he when he left. They were that all that stuff was in place. Gus, Matty Cameron, Ivan, that that was all in place. That was started before uh, he got look, there. Did Griffin? Did, correct. That's that's my point. Ninety percent of that was done. He he put his ten percent spin on it. There were things that changed from a pathways perspective in terms of, you know, core skills and fundamentals that he found more important than maybe Ivan did. Uh, core drills that he wanted to be uh, hammered into players to make sure that he had players that could do certain things once they reach an NRL level, which are not uncommon at every NRL club. They're just things that are specific to each individual head coach at each club. So, but from a, to give him any credit for the pathways program, he did not start the pathways. He didn't do anything. That started with Ivan and Matt. That Cameron's was already already done. When was he appointed? Twenty twelve after Who? the Warriors. Ivan's last year. Who was appointed? Ivan when did Ivan get there? Was it 2012? 2011, After the Warriors grand final? I think it was That was 2011 they played. Yeah, the so grand it must final. 2012, yeah. So he got there. Those pathways started, and we said this at the time when we used to blow up a little bit because of the credit that was given. Not knocking him as a coach, but the junior pathways, the systems, the restructure that needed to happen at Penrith because so many people were leaving or weren't being retained or developed at an early enough age started with the appointments of Matt Cameron, Ivan Cleary, and Gus Gould to start with. Like you said, yes, he put his little bit of a spin on it. Matt Cameron was there before all of them. But to out and out say what we've heard the last few days that he, you know, identified Fisher, like he gave debuts to him, but he didn't go out and cherry pick these players or identify them or put them in the system. These guys are in the system from what they start off at the Panthers from under 12s in the restructure that started where they would get them in. Look, I I think it's, it's been pretty disappointing as a former Pathways coach there that they haven't given credit to pathways coaches youth coaches at the Panthers because you know there should be a lot of credit given to the Harold Matthews SG Ball yeah. and Holden Cup coaches and development 12 to 15s that started that early um, you know I, I saw the proof in, in the pudding and I went through my um, CV the other day and you know if, if I wanted to talk about how many players I was involved with that are now playing in the NRL it's upwards of 30 hmm. that came through that system whether they're playing at Penrith or not uh, is a different story, but the majority are. I think there's 21 or 22 still at Penrith. Um, but they all came through that system. Hmm. And that system was set up 2012. by those by Cleary, Cameron, and Gould. Hmm. And they're in the So that, they deserve the credit for that. Any any coach who had anything to do with those players all deserve a section yeah, of credit. Slice of the pot. It's no, one, no one is more or less important than anyone within that wheel. Uh, everyone is just doing their best to try and produce NRL players. But the, the the core of it is is the pathway, is having the right system in place and the right um, 
I guess, yeah, just the right coaching program and coaching philosophy from a holistic whole of club perspective to make sure that you're all saying the same things, you're all teaching the same things, the message is consistent, the standards and behaviour are consistent, they're all wearing the same uniform, they're seeing that there's a pathway, they're connecting with coaches in SG Ball or Harold Matthews or um, Jersey Flag or New South Wales Cup or NRL, those coaches are coming down and investing time. It's a whole of club thing. It's not one person. No. Uh, but the establishment of that was the kicking off of that production line that you now see at Penrith. Mm. And again, we've sp- we've said the name a million times and a lot of people don't hear it very often. One of the biggest pieces or secrets that's out at Penrith that no one talks about is Matt Cameron. Well, he's the GM of football now. And no Matt one Cameron knows. has been there for basically... The whole tenure since the rebuild started. And I'll, and I'll say Ben Harden has been out there for the duration of that time as well, who's an excellent young pathways coach who uh, I'm surprised he's not going to be uh, the, one of the NRL assistant coaches next year. Well, but I was again, that's say, just do my, we know that yet? That's my opinion. I, I'm hearing he's not going to be. Well, I think he should be. But I don't I don't know that for certain um, because I don't, I don't speak to a lot of people from the club now. And, I, and to be fair, I don't. I don't want to ring and ask some things to say on this podcast anyway. It's not my business. So, But, I, yeah, I, I'm hearing that um, they're looking elsewhere for an assistant coach, and I'm not sure whether that's through um, the fact that they maybe have another job in mind or they want him to still work in pathways or whether they maybe don't think he's ready quite yet for an assistant uh, position in the NRL. But having now been at three different NRL clubs and, and looked at, you know, and had a close involvement with three NRL staff, so I've got no doubt he could But do I still it. think that's hypocritical at times, like we say, because a lot of ex-players just end up in a job and they've and played, not they've played great, but they haven't coached. Yeah, that's There's right. There's a big difference between playing and coaching. We've said it a hundred times. So someone like a Benny Harden, who had a great junior pedigree, but was struck down by injuries and has been through all those paths and played up to Premier League, and you know better than me, he was your age group. But if he was healthy, he would have played first grade. Yeah, yeah, he did. You don't, you don't know, but look, but he, he was, was, he, was, um, he, was, he was a very good chance. Well, put it this way, he was as good as Blake Green. He would be very... And Blake Green's played yeah. how many years now? Won a comp in Seven England. clubs, England. So my point is, if he's yeah. healthy and things go all right, he probably plays... NRL. He would play NRL, yeah. But since then, he's coached his whole time. So a decade plus now, in pathways, in development, mats, ball, 20s. He's gone through all those steps again that lead you to be ready to take that step. So if anyone's got the resume, the runs on the board and done within, the correct things... Within. Yeah, yeah like, to do it at that club, it's Benny Hutt. And there are others there that got opportunities ahead of him that I, I thought I was surprised by. So but Probably getting um, back to the train of thought here that we've got off. There's been a lot of good things said and there's been a lot of bad things said. But looking in between the lines and breaking down the information here, Anthony Griffin, I think, is a steady coach. He's a good coach and given the situation of the Dragons right now and where they're at, I think he fits the bill. Do I think he's going to win a competition at the Dragons? No. But for the situation they're in right now, trying to redevelop a bit of a roster, probably being a bit more of a hard edge and some discipline and some fundamentals and look at their pathways, I think he will do a good job. But there. when you judge him as a coach, the, the the judgment there has got to be, could any coach go in and win a comp with the Dragons in the next two years? No. There you go. So if they don't win a comp, it's not a reflection... But I think Griffin where as they're a coach at, and his ability... They need a culture It's shock. more about where the Dragons are at and how yeah. they got themselves in this position and how they can get better over the next yeah. two years. It can't be just about, we've got to win a comp and that's it. Or no. we've got to play finals and that's it. Like, 
there's situations where that's just not possible. Mm. And for the agendas that have been driven on the flip side, like who else were you going to hire? Mm. Like people go, oh, what about? Oh, Paul I'm Greg? surprised like, when I when I watch like um, when I watch the Sharks play. I, th- I think the Dragons have as good a roster as the Sharks, so they've underachieved. Would you agree with that? Do you think the Dragons have got a, as good a roster? I think they've as got the more high-end players. I think yeah. the Sharks have got better juniors coming through, a good young group there that agree need that. a bit more guidance. But I also yeah. think the, the Dragons have made their decisions with Mary and Millwood there, and Millwood probably the last year or two has had more say. But I think they're, they're tied to their decisions. Whereas I look at Morris, and I've said before, I've given him credit because to me, he's still dealing with some leftovers of Flanagan and some of that culture and some of that group that he probably doesn't want there. Yeah. Like Fafita's been limited this year and he's getting to the back end, but that's not his contract. That's not his player. Wade Graham slowed down a bit this year, but I'm sure prior to that, he would have been happy to have him. But uh, the Sean Johnson contract is Flanagan's. The Moylan contract's Flanagan's. If you told me, hmm. if I'm John Morris tomorrow, that next year... Fafita was going to retire medically and Johnson and Moylan were gone, there's a million, seven fifty, eight hundred, seven hundred, like there's close to two point five million dollars to then put in the senior group that you want around those young kids that he's actually been hands on again through the pathway. So I'd probably say he hasn't had full control just yet of his roster and I think he's done well with what he's got. Yeah. On the flip side, the Dragons have made their decision, spent heavy gone real top heavy and it's bit them on the ass they haven't invested in depth they haven't got juniors from both sides of the fence they're mainly getting from the Steelers side and right now when a lot of people said where are our juniors they're generally producing them in positions right now where they've already got players on big deals hmm. like Jaden Sullivan great young half their 18s this year Talatau Mono is a good player they've got another good young fullback Tyrell Sloan we saw Ramsey in the nines they're all in positions where they've got guys right now where they probably don't need them Good for your future, yes. Good for having some cheaper guys in your top 30 that you might be able to use for injury, sure. But they're not producing in the key areas, I think, where they need players right now. Mm. One thing I definitely think everyone's seen, Tarek Sims has had some injuries and is probably not playing his best football. Frizz is leaving. Graham was well past and is moving on. They need some forwards yeah. um, right now. And the one thing that's probably not coming through in the groups that have been successful the last couple of years is many good forwards. So... I don't know, but I just think either side... I think they've underachieved. One side's tried to chop him down from the legs and say that he can't coach. The other side's tried to build him up. I think they've both gone way too far. But reading between the lines, he's a solid coach. He's defensively minded. He's very disciplined. I think he'll try to really take control of that group and manage everything, and it'll be a lot more structured and disciplined than what they're used to. And if they don't buy in, he'll move people on. Um, he'll definitely have a look at the juniors and again we said the Steelers group was good they won a comp the other year this year they looked good before we got cancelled Cody Ramsey's another debutant this weekend that we've seen in that nines comp and he looked quite good he will certainly look to young guys and if they're up to standard he'll play them but I don't think looking at this roster right now that in 12 months it's going to look the same the question is though will people be willing to take on some of the players or who will he try to move on? Like, well, it's going to be hard, but they're not playing well. He had Norman and Hunt at Brisbane. He seemed to have spoke highly about them tonight on the TV. Is well, he that... has to at the moment. He's not going to shit cannon publicly. But, yeah, I think... I, I, I don't know. I, I just more look at when everyone's bagging him and saying, I wouldn't hide him and give it to Young. I don't think Young's ready. Again, Young's been out of playing, into doing some coaching. He's done some assisting. He's done some defense. But even his comments the last two weeks, he's been fairly salty and emotional really early and I, I don't think that's going to last over 26 rounds if you're constantly uh, you know, being a little bit abrasive mm. but again I could be wrong but at the same time 
I think you've also set up a little bit of a succession plan where he gets to learn under someone new again as an assistant. He's got a relationship already with Griffin. It's only a two-year deal if they're not happy. 12, 18 months' time, they've got an option for a third year, and if they don't want it, they move on. Yeah, let's move on. But from Fernar and any of the other options, I think the big one that's out there and everyone knew about it, we said at the start, was they wanted Fitzgibbon. They can't get Fitzgibbon. Yeah, but Fitzgibbon said before all these jobs opened up that he wasn't leaving. No. And so I don't understand why there's even any talk about Fitzgibbon. Out of the other options, I'd probably say the same thing again to the Dragons fans, whether you're happy or not. Like, do you want David Ferner? Oh, well, they bitch and moan to get Mary out, and this is what I said. Do like, you be want careful what you wish for. There's only so many candidates for the be job. Be careful what you wish for. You can't have Paul Green. He doesn't want to come down. All the talk all the time that you go out and break the bank and steal someone else's coach, that never happens. That's just always media talk, but... Your options were basically David Ferner, Dean Young, who's already there right now. Flanagan, they can't get for another 12 months. Do you wait and put an interim? Clearly, they don't want to do that. Or it was Griffin. They've decided that Griffin's the best option for where they want to go. For two years. Yeah. So what do you think of the appointment? Out of what was there? Yeah, I don't know. Would you have gone with Young? I didn't see see a lot of Anthony Griffin coaching hands-on. But... In comparison to, you know, himself and Ivan in terms of what was done at Penrith, I think Ivan, in my experience, did a better job than Griffin uh, from what I could see, you know, within that pathway system. But that's not to say that he's any more or less um, a coach than anyone else. Look, I think he's got a, um, his record sort of speaks for itself, so... I can see why the Dragons have employed him and I think he'll do a good job. I think he'll be different to McGregor. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll be any better or worse than Dean Young or McGregor or whoever. I, I, I don't know. I just... I think the Dragons fans and the Dragons club pushed for change. They wanted change. There was an appetite for change and now they've got the change. So, see how it pans out. It's, it's not going to be easy for um, Anthony Griffin because you know there's a lot of players there who loved um, McGregor. He's not a dragon. You know, that they're a club that traditionally employs a lot of their own. So there's going to be some, some difficulties. There's factions within the, the joint venture as well that he's going to have to deal with that he might not have a lot of experience in because he's been at Penrith and been at Brisbane who are two huge markets with none of that, I guess, politics floating around boardrooms, etc. Well, I guess so, you can't say. He did deal with some when he had his issues with Gus. but Yeah, but I think that was more from just a, a relationship breakdown, not from a, a board perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I really hope it works out for Griffin because I, I really feel like he's been shit-canned early in two jobs. Like, he got shit-canned in Brisbane because Bennett won't come Bennett, back. Yeah. And then he got shit-canned at Penrith because of a relationship breakdown when the side was in the eight. So, uh you know, I, I would really like to see him either succeed or get long enough to fall on his own sword and fuck it up himself. I think every coach just wants long enough to walk away and go, well, I had every opportunity to make that work and I got it wrong. Or I got it right. And that this is why we're successful. So, yep. Well, we're going to find out. Like I said, the last one of the coaching cycle to be sorted will be the Broncos. They're taking their time. Uh, I'd like to think, again, that they basically know who their two candidates are. They're not going anywhere. I'd really think it would be smarter to get your CEO and your board stabilised before you go making decisions like that. Yeah. But whether they do that or not, different story. But Cowboys sorted. Dragons are now sorted. Um, yeah, one more job to go. Tackle three, uh, the Tigers situation again over the weekend. Just can't seem to catch a break. Last week, it was the Benzie saga, moving him on. 
been found out in the media, talk about, you know, issues in the playing group. Some people like Madge, some people don't like Madge. It's all too hard. Now we've had the weekend where they come up with a great result, they show some resolve, and then you've got something that on the surface some people would say, oh, why are you even talking about it with the players leaving the game? But it just doesn't help the narrative that they're going through right now, that they're a divided playing group and that things are just basically all over the joint. And it doesn't help, again, that the two guys are two guys, again, that have been spoken about in the sense of they were from the previous coach. They've been shopped around. They've been tried to move out of the club, so they're probably not the happiest, but it's just the last thing they really needed again right now is for the Packer and Reynolds situation where they've left at halftime. Yeah. People are saying, well, there's no rule or today in the media, there's no rule that they have to stay, etc. But we know ourselves. We've both been at clubs. I knew it even when I was at Canberra. 20s, first grade, whatever it is, at least your grade. If you're not playing that week and it was a home game, you're expected to attend. Help out if possible. If you are asked to help out, then when you're done, go sit in the player section, wear your clothes, do the right thing, come in at the end of the game, help with pack-up gear, etc., presentation. It was all standard <laughs> procedure. So I think for first graders, the bubble situation or not, they're still within the bubble. You go there, you're supposed to attend the game, you're supposed to support your teammates and then leave afterwards. But... Mm. The West Tigers are at a very, very interesting point, right? said a few weeks ago that there's clubs that have two cultures. The culture that they think exists and the culture that actually exists. Mm. I think Michael Maguire is very, very clear on the culture he wants to exist. He still is not at the point where that culture exists. No. Because this is, realistically, what your culture is. Your culture is that if it's not important enough for me personally... I'm going to behave in my best interest over the team's best interest. That's what this says. These two players have not played a lot of footy. They've been out of favour. Uh, they were contract signed before Maguire got there. Maguire's not overly fond on either player. To be fair, neither player has really kicked down the selection door or played great when they've had their opportunities. So from a cultural perspective, this is where the West Tigers are at. Like The biggest thing for me, are we going to go through the Benji Marshall situation? or Not again. Um, that was piss poor. Like, like let's, let's talk about, let's, let's finish off the Packer and um, Reynolds situation. Look, that, that's just the wrong thing to do. And, but that should have been dealt with internally. That, you know, the fact that it leaked to the media, uh, you know, I guess if it was leaked internally, you're never really going to know or whether someone spotted them and said, oh, I saw so-and-so and so-and-so leaving. Um, that should have all been dealt with in-house and that should be from a player perspective. The coach really shouldn't have to get involved in that. There should be mechanisms of discipline in place to deal with that uh, and a clear standard around, like you said, this is what you do. If you're a part of the squad and you're not playing, this is what the expectation is. That would be clear. And I guarantee you that no one in that dressing room would be happy with those two players walking out at halftime. You'd be filthy. I'd be filthy if players at an SG ball level walked out at halftime on a game. I'd be filthy if I found well, it. Well, they fronted Brooks and Garner today saying it's not a big deal. They support the two Which guys was horseshit, and, and which medias. was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Wrong thing to do. the wrong message. If you, if you want to address it, put those two players up in front of the media. That's how you address it. Yeah. Otherwise, don't, throw don't put anyone else... There. It's just piss poor, mm. right? And... Last week, the, the the way that the Benji Marshall situation panned out, I thought was... Terrible. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. The fact that he finds out it's leaked to the media again and he he fronts Maguire or his manager speaks to Maguire and, or he, he does, then the manager 
you know, works through for 24 hours. Maguire says to him, give me 24 hours and I'll tell you where I'm at. Like, as if Maguire didn't know where he was at. He did. Um, you know, just to get his ducks in a row. They then talk Cheech. No, nope, you're not wanted here for next year. Um, and then the club released a statement. Yeah. Like, this, he's probably your best ever player. Well, he is. He's better than Robbie Farrell since the joint venture. He's your greatest West Tiger. And this is how he gets treated. He got punted out the first time. And, you know, I think Benji would probably take a lot of um, responsibility for how the first exit the Tigers went. He's actually said that publicly that, yeah, you know, he didn't realise what he had until it was gone and probably didn't take full advantage of, you know, his first stint at the club. But, mate... In this stint, he's been at multiple junior rep sessions, giving up time, yeah. trying to develop, trying to give back. Uh, I think his performances on the field haven't been brilliant. But, I mean, you're buying a veteran. Like, he's he's never going to be the half to lead you to a premiership. He was supposed to be a good complementary piece bridge. for Brooks. Hmm. And he's supposed to be a bridge to the next player. And To be honest, Jock Madden's Who is the next player? not even really close he's to not, what they no were expected. And Josh year, Reynolds has fluffed out. Yeah. My thing is, they've been hypocritical in the sense of the pitch was we don't have money for him because we've only got a million dollars or 900000 to buy five players. Yet in the same breath, they're trying to pick up Addo Carr and a massive deal and James Tarmouth from Penrith on a big deal and saying that they yeah. can move players on. Whereas last week, oh, we can't move players on. We can't afford to have Benji because we yeah. got Brooks again, Reynolds, etc. So you've already... Minced, two different cultures in two words. You've already minced your words right there. If you really Jesus. wanted to keep Benji, I'd, I'd happily pay Benji 200 to stay there we, and be we the top option. Look, respectfully... We don't want you here. We're moving we, we, we're, look, we're going in another direction. Yeah, we're either going to roll the dice with Jock and whoever... But that should have been year, a conversation or... that you then have with Benji privately. Yeah, shouldn't have been... Should out. not get out to the media at all. Like, if Benji's manager then leaks it or Benji gets the shits and leaks it, mm. okay, but if you're then looking at the club, you're saying at least they did it internally. Yeah. At least they sat him down. At least they told him directly. At least they gave him time. At least they gave him the respect. I felt like in some of his TV appearances last week, he was embarrassed. Well, I think a big point to take out of this as and well... And disappointed. ...is that the clubs that do get players on board or do win players during signing and have the majority share are the successful clubs, the ones who treat their players well, and in particular, the way they handle their veterans and their long-term players and servants to their club. And if you're someone looking at the West Tigers right now and you wonder why people only come for overs or treat them like a doormat at times, considering the revolving door of coaches and the culture of the club and the board, like, look no further than this. This is one of their greatest players. Yeah. And they've just scrapped him. Melbourne wouldn't do that to a player. The no. Roosters wouldn't do that to a player. Uh, you know, there's clubs that just would not do that. So if you're a younger guy and you're looking at that right now and they're pitching to you the future and loyalty to their players and being part of that, like, it's not really helping the sales pitch. Yeah. And the bigger thing for me, again, why Maguire, again, is probably accountable for some mistakes during this period. All the talk around him the last few weeks, like, if you fire him and start this cycle again, you are, what we said last week, you are just staying here permanently. You are living there. If you want to get to his high standards and get to his level and let him do the job you've brought him in to do, you have to see this through. Yeah. So their talk now is they're going to extend him. But if you really want to see the, the full Michael Maguire picture or the full influence, he needs to be given enough time to move on from those players, try and get guys in that he thinks he can win with or at least take them to the finals. And or you're going to start this process all over again. Someone else will come in, maybe say, oh, I don't like Adam Dewey, who he signed. Or I don't like Joey yeah. Leilua and Luciano because he signed him. And I don't like Ivan's players. The cycle's just never ending. 
So I think the bigger thing right now, while there's been a lot of mistakes the last week or two, the one outlying theme that's still there is talk around the coach. He's either your coach or he's your not. Crazy. All right. So sort that out. Right. And then I think you can make a lot of moves moving forward <laughs> off that. Okay? Right. Shit. Just an ex-coach there. We're impersonating. Boys, got to get fitter. Okay? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> got to play harder. All right? Okay. Fuck. Okay? Shit. Yeah. Love it. Good one. Shout out. <laughs> uh, tackle four. One that I've just chucked in here is the shark situation the other night and plays off again. We talked about teams this year and inconsistencies of what they do and the Sharks prove it again that if they play a top eight side or someone that has any sort of defensive resilience they just can't cope um, and I feel bad for Morris and their discipline got out of hand a few guys have now been suspended Rudolph missed Wade's going to miss two weeks Chad Townsend first game back after he's talked him up during the week and saying he's going to help and he'll stabilise things has a brain snap and knocks Ponga's plugs out of his nose leaves the ground with that shoulder charge and to hear again, like I said, that there was unrest around his role and what he's had to deal with since he's taken over, there's now stuff coming out. That's not 100% solid yet, but it's been around the whole time, which really, really is scary to me that Flanagan is going to be considered to be brought back as soon as he's eligible again to the Sharks. So, like, fucking hell. <laughs> what do you do? Crazy. He's brought through all these kids for you. He's dealing and working with some oh, contracts or players. Look, salary cap issues. So right. I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. So, look, I'm going to deal in what I know. What I know is that the Sharks are not a good team and they're not going to win the premiership. They're going to play finals footy, maybe, if they get rolled this weekend by the Warriors oh, and crumble. I still think everyone outside oh. has to win three in a row. I don't see it happening. I think, they're going I to think the so. Warriors can win three in a row. But yeah. it's probably relying on Cronulla winning one yeah, of their last three. Raiders, Manly, Cronulla. I think they can definitely win two. The Raiders one's the big one. Mm. They can beat Manly. They can definitely beat Cronulla. They can beat the Raiders. But the Warriors yeah. can, definitely. That's the one. If they uh, beat the Raiders heading into the last round and the Sharks... Especially uh, the winless, situation the Raiders are in. I think they're in a good spot. You're not playing a full strength Raiders, particularly now with Papali's injury. That's huge. So Well, they've named him this week, uh, apparently. So. Yeah, but, but I mean, they might get to a point where they go, well, this is where we are. We can't yeah, make top we'll four. Him. We'll rest him. So... Uh, yeah, I look interesting. Cronulla just like that the Townsend hit was horrendous, terrible. And Morris said as much in his press conference post game. So they just got no discipline and they go to water when the burner gets put on. Well, I didn't really see it on our page, but I think there was a big discussion. I think Johnny Morris spoke really well. I think John Morris has done a great Been job. Accountable, and I've said it again. open. He's... He's brought through the kids. He's brought a couple of guys in that you didn't really think of that have done a good job this year. And he's, again, he's top five or so paid players. Yeah, and I'm not his. sure what more he could have done. They're not his. We've talked about this all the time. Your top end guys are the ones that you want to have the biggest say in. Moylan's not his. Johnson's not his. Fafita's not his. Dugan, who tried to get himself medically retired before this season, has actually played quite well. Not his. We're talking yeah. about close to $3 million that he hasn't had the chance to put his own spin on a roster. If you have that with a good core, core group of kids he's had, not to mention the sherry shit sandwich he got that's none of his doing as well this shit. Like it just seems like the whole time he's been there, he's dealt with nothing but drama, injuries, issues, and constant talk about Flanagan. Yet, regardless of whether they haven't been a top eight side enough, they've done enough last year to get into the finals, and yeah. this year they're probably going to get there again. I'm not saying that he's done a bad job. I just think. Nah. And I don't know if he is the long term answer to win a competition, but I definitely don't think you could discredit what he's done. and Agree. I certainly don't think he deserves to have rumours about Flanagan or things swirling around him. And I'd like to think that the club, if there is anything about that, would clarify something pretty soon for John Marks. Agree. But I just was disappointed again on the weekend that every time they seem to play somebody who's above him, 
they turn to water. Yeah. But every time we see them play a side outside the eight, they generally put a score on or they get the job done and they're red hot in attack. But defensively, said it before, say it again, no resilience, poor contact, simple misses. They don't work together. Their contact at times individually, yet again as a group, is awful. Their edges are disconnected and they can't defend back-to-back sets. Anyone that has any defensive resilience against them and it gets thrown back the other way, it just, the walls come crumbling. So they're going to make the finals more than likely. Still a lot has to go in favour of some other teams to get in, basically win three in a row. I can't see it happening, but mm. um, yeah, the Sharkies, if they're sitting there and the Raiders, say, drop the fifth and it's playing the Raiders at Canberra, or if South pull themselves back up to there into fifth, I think there's no good scenario really for them if they finish at eighth. In particular, with one of those two, week one, uh, yeah, I just think they're going to be straight out the back door. Agree, man. Agree. <sighs> All right. Well, talking about that, after the weekend, we talk about some of the top dogs. Tackle five. The Roosters certainly put themselves back on uh, a different level, I thought, on the weekend with the return yeah. of some players and a bit of form. They announced themselves back. Yeah. Seeing them there with Kiri still not up to scratch with his ribs, not having Jake Friend, rolling a couple of those guys in for their first game, having back to close to what is a strong bench. I think they certainly announced that even without Verrills and a couple of those guys yeah, who Yeah, do they really back, need to announce? Like, for me, nah. no, they didn't. I, I, I think everyone overreacted with how well they played early in the year, and then they were underreacting with how many injuries and disruptions they had during that little patch in the middle of the year where they lost a couple of games. Now, if they can get all these players back, uh, I think they're still premiership favourites. If they can get their their best team on the field, um, I think they're the team to beat. Um, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I think it'll be a, it, like if you get Penrith at full tilt against the Roosters full tilt in a grand final, that's just a bell ringer, absolute bell ringer, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think. The Roosters, again, with their defensive performance in particular... I think the metal man will probably knock one of them out because that's what Melbourne do. Mm. They're the constant disruptor. Melbourne just keep on keeping on. They don't beat themselves. No Nelson, no Finucane uh, heading into that but game. But from a talent perspective, they're, they're a step below these teams. Yeah. These two teams. So Panthers, 12 in a row. I think that those top three have basically solidified themselves. The Raiders, for me, lost no love. I think they're better than Parramatta. In all honesty, mm. I think their performance against anyone else on the weekend probably would have bared some fruit or been a closer game. But the Roosters defensively were just too good. Yeah. But Parramatta, uh, out of that group we just spoke of, I don't think they did themselves any favours again on the weekend with the way they played. No. Um, the Warriors gave them all they could handle. And I thought, given the sin bin and some other situations in the game, that uh, they certainly had their hands full. They got away with that one. Um, but yeah, certainly mm. still some worrying signs about Parramatta. Massively, yeah. At this massively. point in time. And uh, tackle six to finish this off, Boxhead. Talk around Origin being left permanently at the back end of the season. What do you think about that? Uh, I want to wait and see. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I don't know. That was pretty interesting. Right now, I, I hate it. I hate the idea because I just love it in the middle of the year. I think what I guess needs for a to fair change, competition, though, you'd say that if it didn't interrupt the season, it probably makes things more fair. Yeah, and, and I was getting to that. What needs to change is how it's played and the competition structure around it. If it works at the end of the year, I, yeah, I could see it happening. And look, this year it's going to be played later than ever because the, of the grand final. Um is a month later, so Origin is obviously going to be played a month later. Uh, yeah. I still don't think it's going to be a it. true reflection, though, this year, because you're still not going to be able to get the crowds. The TV ratings will probably be up, and they might say, oh, it's a great idea, but you're realistically not going to know if it's better for ticket sales, for corporates, for all facets, TV, etc., until you do it on a normal year. I really don't know how we can gauge it. That's off. what I'm saying. Yeah. So I find this it hard thing, whether they want to do it that way. But if you did it next year and things are back to normal, if that is the case, I think then you'll get a real idea whether the appetite is there for it to be at the end of the season after everything, after the grand final. But the other flip side is they keep talking about wanting to grow the international game. If you play Origin later, you're basically leaving no room for internationals or you're leaving no room for any of those players to have a pre-season. You're further disrupting club football as well. Yeah. So there's knock-on effects each way and I think the other point to finishing off on this tackle six was talk around some changes to eligibility and letting people, uh, you know, play for you know different international sides or being more eligible. Origin, like going back to the grassroots that are all back at the start. To me, Origin shouldn't be tampered with. You're either from New South Wales or you're from Queensland. Yeah. You're either born here or you moved here early enough at a very young age, three, four years old, and you've played all your junior football and lived in one of those areas. You, to me, should be from New South Wales or Queensland. There's yeah. no room to introduce players or have a bit of a gimmick to it. To me, that just takes away the soul of the earth and what it was made for to start with. So any of the talk around that, I was really bothered Yeah, by. I'm a traditionalist as well. So, again, small loophole, sure, if there's someone that was born in New Zealand who maybe came here at three, who's played their whole life, growing up watching it, being influenced We've seen and shaped that by it. That's different. That's yeah. not 15 years old coming here, suddenly they're declaring it, or you know, someone swapping halfway through international eligibility. The rules around that should be pretty plain and simple. Well, look I'd, at Ponga. Ponga was like, I want to go play for the All Blacks, but, but now he plays for Queensland. He's played for, yeah, and he so. grew up the majority of his life in Queensland. So from that perspective, I can understand it. But yeah. yeah, I don't like the thought of potentially having all these loopholes and constant changes every year. Like for, for internationals, I was happy from the start that if you don't play for your Tier 1 nation in a World Cup, we should be feeding players down. Yeah, but we shouldn't that. be stealing is more the point. Yeah. You're Australia, New Zealand or England. If you don't make one of those sides, which plenty of people don't, mm-hmm. if you do have a qualification for another country, you can go play there because it just makes the World Cup better. It makes all the teams better. And maybe on a yearly basis, some guys play for different nations more often and it makes the international game stronger. Mm-hmm. But as far as origin, I don't agree with any loopholes being changed there for eligibility. So there you go. That wraps up the set of six. Let's jump into the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. It's starting to warm up here in Western Sydney. Great time to get a system. Daylight savings not far off. We're both on board. Great for the back pocket and saving you some cash. So tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy. The team at Penrith Solar are here to help you. They're passionate about solar and can make you and your family the big winners this season. For more quality solar solutions for your home, visit them on www.penrithsolar.com.au or give them a call on 1800 20 29 30. Box head number one. Pennies. Still got Penrith. Yep. Number two, I've left the storm. It's me too. For now, uh, the Roosters are at three, but yep. looking very ominous. And again... Uh, heading into the finals in the next few weeks, I'm sure we'll see some more improvement from them. Number four, though, 
I've got the Raiders. Yep, I think the Raiders lost no respect for me again on the weekend. Hodgson and Soliola, Gould are a couple of guys you could definitely be in their side. And I think if they played anyone else, they would have went much closer. But the Roosters, just a different level. But number five. Eels. Eels? I've still got Souths. I think Souths, again... Oh, sorry. Yeah, i got Souths. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Souths. I, I think they showed enough against Melbourne, and their biggest enemy was them. The second yeah. half, the errors they made, and conceding right on half-time, they really gave Melbourne a way back into the game. Yeah. I also still look at the flip side, though, and think if you've got Nelson, Finucane, Brandon Smith, Suliasi, Vulnavanu, that you're playing a stronger Melbourne pack and a stronger bench, but um, there were some good signs there. Yeah, Eels. Six, I've got the Eels. I agree with you. Uh, Knights yep 7 and then I've got the Warriors yep I can understand like we said last week if you want to go off performance right now I think they'll beat Cronulla, Cronulla this week yeah. even though Cronulla technically are in I thought yeah that's so what. who have we got now we've got the Tigers and we've got the Warriors two wins out and basically they need to win all their games and the Sharks not win again because they're four and against if they're two apiece would, would not be enough yeah I think the Sharks are the only side that can drop out Manly are done Dragons are Let's down. have a look at the draw. So who have we got? Sharks, West Tigers, Warriors. Well, the so Tigers, West Tigers play the Rabbitohs. They they lose there. They're done. Yeah. Well, they've got they've got a hard run. They've got Rabbitohs. They've got the Storm, and I'm pretty sure they finish off with. Look, and if the Sharks beat the Warriors, that's it. The eight's done. Yeah. If the Warriors happen to win, they got Raiders, and then the last round. And then you but then you're looking at Cronulla, hmm. right? Cronulla run into the Roosters, I'm pretty they sure. They got Raiders right? and Roosters. Right. So Cronulla could lose conceivably could lose all of them. Mm. Right? The catch is that the Warriors are probably going to have to win all three. Yeah, their four and against isn't good enough to It's horrendous. It's terrible. So the Warriors run into the Raiders. That's and then they run into Manly. Yeah. Two So if games. they win this weekend. Next weekend's the big Next one. weekend is huge, providing that the Roosters do the right thing and knock off Cronulla. And then last round, who's Cronulla got last round? So hang on, round nine needed to be, you'd need the Roosters to knock off Cronulla. And you'd hope the Roosters... On Saturday night. Last round. Then you'd hit Sunday 2pm and you'd have the Warriors trying to draw even on points with Mm. the Sharks when they take on the Raiders, right? Then you'd head into the last round. You'd hope the Roosters in the last round aren't resting players. No, they're not playing. Roosters aren't involved. Cronulla then run into the Raiders. At home. Again, the Warriors play after. So they'll be relying on that result. If Cronulla get rolled, you're going to have a semi-final showdown, essentially, 2 o'clock on the last Sunday of the regular season. Mm. Warriors win, they're in. Warriors lose, they're out. And we had that last year. We had the Cronulla, Cronulla Tigers playing. To play in. So That was head-to-head, though. Hopefully we can... Essentially. It was head-to-head, correct. That'd be like the Warriors versus Cronulla in that... Flip it and have it as the last round. Mm. I, see, I'd love, I'd love for the NRL to be able to do that now. Flex that game. Yeah, move like the NFL game. do. They'll move something to a time slot on purpose. Try and... Um, no, but I mean, try and get try and move that Warriors-Sharks game to later. Well, to round let's 20. be honest. A lot needs to happen, but it's conceivable. Yeah. But from looking at the draw, it is conceivable. But we're not taking into account injuries, form, etc. But if anything to go by, I thought the Warriors on the weekend... When they went down by a couple of tries early, I thought, all right, they're finally having a flat week. Mm. And then they just refused to go away. The sin bin didn't hold them back. They fired up. They come after them. They rolled straight to the middle. And they were very lucky not to find a way to win that game. But 
if they keep showing that spirit this week, and particularly against Manly and Cronulla, I think they'll win both those games. The real big one is Cronulla not winning, which is very conceivable with the draw they've got. Yeah. And then the Warriors having to beat the Raiders. Win this week and roll the Raiders and it's on. It's big time. Oh, Oh, big time. All right. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Let's jump in. Broncos, Panthers, 25-12. The effort was better, I thought, defensively in particular. Their contact, the way they worked together, line speed, everything was much better. They completed well. Kicking game was still average. Goal line defense, they did a really good job, like a lot of teams now, getting up hard on the edges and not letting Penrith play to their strengths, which is shifting the football, creating isolations, one-on-ones. They just cut down time and space, kept making them turn it back under. And to be honest... I was a bit disappointed with Penrith. They didn't really adjust. And the two tries they sort of jagged uh, were smart by Nathan. He had him coming up and just put a kick in behind and caught him out two times. But overall, come finals time, if Melbourne or the Roosters, who are a much better defensive teams, take away their edges or get up hard and cut down the time and space, you're going to have to come up with better than just a block to an X to a block to an X and back yeah. to the post and out like... That's not going to work, and especially we watch the Roosters on the weekend just defend, defend, defend on their own line. And Melbourne, who are, again are one of the better sides in twenty, I think Penrith has certainly got the squad and the talent to do it. But um, yeah, I, I think I just thought they would change something. Nothing really changed. It didn't. No, Brisbane were were good. Effort was good. Played with more passion. Uh, defensively, they hit a little bit harder. They also tried to disrupt. They had a clear. Yeah. They laid in, they yeah, three really man pushed peeled. the boundaries. Uh, they were doing a lot of things to slow Penrith down. Penrith had an off night. I know a lot of people no have brought up it. short turnaround with one twelve. I'm like, get all get that. All that. That's fine. But, but they had an off night. They certainly weren't at their best. So. No. Uh, move on. Penrith got the two points. Brisbane didn't. Brisbane are now trying to avoid the longest losing streak in Broncos history when they play the Titans this week. I still stick by what I've said. I think Fisher-Harris and a couple of guys consider to be rested. He... Certainly played like he didn't need a rest the other night. He had 29 carries, which yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. But some of those guys have had a heavier work. Like, like Yo having a week off last week, I think was a great thing. I know it was for the head knock, but I really don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah. And I've said it before, like we talked about. There's no reserve grade. You might have to call on somebody. If you can give Nathan a week off and play Burton, or if Arpy, they've pushed back again after saying he's going to have three weeks and play Kenny, just do it. Yeah. Like, the minor premiership, one or two, I don't think it matters. They're going to get one of those spots now. I know the matchup they might be worried about, but I'd think from now, yeah, see, I don't think they will be. even with a few of those changes, I'd still see them winning a game with Burton yeah. and a couple of those guys playing. Yeah. But if he thinks that he can get the rest during the week, which seems to be what they're saying they're doing, having lighter weeks training-wise and keep these young guys going and keep the momentum, well, you know, I'm not an NRL coach. But I just thought for one or two of those guys in particular, I'm more so now just looking at Fish. And that's going to be a conversation you have with yeah, those players. he's carried just such a toll this year. Like, off his own bat, he's not carrying that pack. They're working very well as a whole and sharing the load. But I think Fisher Harris has just had some huge games and he just punishes himself. Mm. So there's one or two guys there. I don't think it would be a bad idea if they missed a game. But if they want to maintain the rage, well, good on them. Uh, for Brisbane, definitely saw finally some good signs from Jordan Riki. Now he's healthy mm. and playing. Uh, that that carry on the right edge and that hole he hit was absolutely outstanding. Did and tough again, but the kicking game wasn't great. Haas busy as always. Um, Stags again one way football with the ball always great but there's still a lot there again if you watch closely defensively he's got to improve yeah has to improve uh, moving on from that one what have we got Newcastle Sharks well 
It was a bash up. Pretty much what we said before. It was they, a bash they, up. they scored the first try. Yeah. And then the first time they were asked and to defend their line it. consecutively, they they crumbled. Yeah. And some of the one on one misses and simple like Ponga throwing the ball over the sideline and dropping, yeah, the ball. dropping the ball. And I'm not knocking Ponga again because people go, oh, you know, but it was a huge game. But some of the misses for two of those tries, mm. simple one on ones where he just goes through. Um, I'd say on the shark side again, top eight side or anyone with some defensive resilience, which Newcastle certainly have, they go to water. Yeah, they don't want to get involved in that. They got frustrated and they got to discipline. And we saw the Chad moment. And again, I'm pretty sure on our page there was a bit of discussion. Some people saying the send off was too much. Sinbin would have been enough. They wouldn't have sent it, etc. And reasons as to why the ref didn't signal it clear enough. He should have all that. I, even if he didn't signal it, it was play on. My biggest issue is he well, jumped. Well, the whistle. Yeah, but my biggest issue is he jumped. He tucked his arm. Like, his technique overall was just shithouse. It was a shoulder charge. So even if it was play on, not play on, or he did hear it, or the ref wasn't clear, the actual tackle itself is not a tackle. No. It's a shoulder charge. And they're saying he didn't get him in the head. Well, I'm pretty sure he got him in the head. Mm. But it was, a, it was a dumb tackle. It was a really dumb tackle. Yep. So I think pretty straightforward for the Sharks. They, they haven't beaten the top eight side. Their defence, as you said before, when they've got the ball, they can be really, really dangerous. But defensively... They've got a hell of a lot to work on. It's not going to be fixed in time for the finals. I don't think they're a threat. Um, and now they're going to be missing two guys that really would help in the next few weeks, which puts them under even more pressure. Yeah. Chad's gone. Johnson's going to be coming back mm-hmm. underdone with his groin and is a ticking time bomb to be hurt. There've been guys with niggles the last few weeks playing through, like your Fafitas, Ramians, Dugan, who's constantly, you know. Fafita didn't play on the weekend. Did no. Uh, I think he just didn't pick him, but. Yeah, now you've got Rudolph, who was lucky to escape suspension, but Chad and Wade Graham are both going to be out, yeah. which is not helping their cause right now. But the Newcastle, I think, similar deal. Uh, great resilience, considering all the injuries and spine changes. It was a good performance, great effort at home. Ponga was good, but against the better sides, they're still too predictable. Um, wherever he is, you basically put an extra number. Man's doing a, a more than adequate job at nine. He's been outstanding this season, but up against, again, better defeat defences, your Melbourne's, your roosters, etc. It's not going to be good enough to basically stack that side and try and play the ponger. Yeah, uh, I don't think this is going to be their year. But looks like they're going to run into South as well, first final. Yeah, that'd be a good game. But for, for Newcastle fans, you've made the finals. It's a good, yeah. t- it's a good result considering what's happened with Braley, Watson. Like they've had plenty to deal with. I can't see them beating uh, South in current form though. Nah, but I still think, uh, given what they've been through and the rebuild Agreed. and all that, making it, the finals is it, an overachievement. Yeah. I think it's a great result with what they've had to deal with. So. Uh, moving on from that one, Storm South, we got to attend this one, 22-16. First half, uh, I thought South gave them probably plenty of what they could handle, but just didn't bank enough points. Correct. They had 63% of the possession. They had lots of good ball. The first try come off Lumi Lumi simply not cleaning up, and the second one they didn't tie in. I thought that was a good try, but for the field position, the territory, and the possession they had... Uh, yeah, yeah, what did they go down? Conceding on half time with 30 time. seconds to go was a devastating blow, and we said as much while we were sitting there. That yeah. You could see the frustration. You could feel it the way they were. Um, they got carved on that left edge two times, one where it was just a quick tip on and Fox ran around the outside and threw back into Pap. And the second time, Adam Reynolds just got caught flat-footed and Masters already half-turned out. Pappenhausen slides through and sets up Olam. And second half, it went the other way. I think South were their biggest enemy. I don't necessarily take it away from Melbourne. I think they were great in the second half, but South's just made error after error after error and invited Melbourne into that game. And uh, the Tino crash over, a lot of people carried on about that forward pass. I think that side angle shows pretty much that that's Real a flat, flat pass. Yeah. It's going to sound biased coming from me, but I think it's pretty straightforward what a flat pass is. And the second one, again, too easy. One marker, caught inside 10. 
Smith draws, Pat cuts back on the inside and tips on a monster, and it just all unfolded too simply. Yeah. Um, they were in worst enemy. To be honest, if I'm South fan, I'm disappointed we lost. They should have won that game. Definitely. Plenty of opportunities to win, more than enough possession, too many errors. I think one thing they did prove. And they though. defended fairly softly. Like, they gave up those two tries so easily. Yeah, that, that edge wasn't great. I think. Their right edge. Yeah. Gagai being there, I don't know if that really fixes it either, but I think the bigger thing for them, like losing Latrell, I think a lot of people said, you know, that's a huge blow. It is if he's playing his best form, which again, still has been few and far between this year, and would he have taken that forward? I don't know, but. I thought they would have gone with Johnston. They've gone with Allen. He commented afterwards, Bennett, that he'll stick with Allen moving forward. But I think losing to Toller is something they can't cop because I thought they lied on the forwards and they just started to find a good bench rotation. In particular, as I said, Colin Matungi and his contribution, he copped a bad head knock on the night. But Totola's been Mr. Consistent along with Tom Burgess and punching over this year. They can't really lose somebody from their rotation like that heading into the finals. So uh, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for, but he's not playing this week. Jaden Sewer, what an animal. He was just laying he's people out. <laughs> he was laying people out left right every centre. He's one again for new, uh, for Queensland when you look at some guys to put on your bench that are just scary and give some time to. Like middle or edge, I know he plays as an edge, but if you put him on for 20 minutes and just told him to whack people in the middle, he's not someone I'd want to be running at. Yeah, he'd do it gladly. Him, Tino, who was good the other night, there's a couple of guys at Queensland will probably be able to roll into the mix this year, I think, for their bench. But... I lost no respect for South, that's for sure. No, they were good. But at the same time, uh, like I said before, they had their best chance to beat Melbourne. No Nelson, no Dale, no Sully, no Brandon Smith. So there's players to come back uh, on the Storm side of things. Pappenhausen live was excellent. Smith was good. Um, and I think some of the lesser lights did a good job. Particularly Chris Smith. He only got 20 minutes while that. Chris Lewis, sorry. Uh, his 20 minutes. He, he was, was great. Jeezy was busy. But there you go. Titans dogs, you went to this one, eighteen yeah. fourteen. What do you think? I thought um, the Bit. Titans were excellent in patches. They make far too many errors, and they invited back of, in, um, didn't they? Yeah, it's playing a style of footy which is conducive to errors. But uh, I think they're just learning that fine line between you know when to chance their hand and when to play discipline. But their defence is unbelievable at the moment. Um, their goal line screen. AJ Brimson got a few. Uh, things wrong like he was getting his short side numbers wrong and they got a few defensive reads wrong on that edge our right the Bulldogs left where they crashed over for two tries but um, all in all it was it was an entertaining game it was dry weather footy the weather was perfect uh, and I just feel for Bulldogs fans because they were it was another game they were just hanging around in hanging around in got close enough there at the end to sort of threaten uh, and, and again, look like they might potentially break their duck, but didn't. And uh, the Titans got the job done. And I think on the flip side of that, again, fight their way back in the game, show a whole lot of heart. And the man that's probably been most important when he's been on the field is that man, Kieran Foran, who they're moving on from. And he bloody tore his pet. Yeah. Which kind of took the wind out of their sails because anything positive that happens, in particular on the offensive side of the ball, comes from Kieran. Once he went down, I thought their chances of winning that game went with him. But. Uh, from his possibilities moving forward. A lot of people endorsing him still regardless of his injuries and saying, well, if you, they're willing to sign Green at 34 or 35 with a bung knee, surely someone will take Kieran Foran on. He's only 30. I guess his track record is much worse with injuries and over the past four seasons, I think he's missed 30-plus games. But mm. up until this point this year, I know he's had some knocks in some games, but I think he's only missed uh, two or three total. So mm. he's played 
80% plus, which is pretty good. But Apex generally three months. I think if the right club's out there, I still think he's worth having in your team. Mm. And even if it is... Particularly if you threw him into a better side. Well, the, the one that stands out to me, and a few people have said don't even consider it, Newcastle to me makes a lot of sense. From this simple point here, I don't know if Tex Hoy is a fullback or a 5'8 moving forward. They haven't really seemed to have made that decision yet, but I dare say with Caelan Ponga locked up long-term, he's your one. Tex Hoy is more likely to get a crack at six. So whether Kieran's healthy or not, and you'd say that he can come there and be a mentor, you've already got Mitchell Pearce, yeah, that's right, but him and Mitchell Pearce also have a great relationship with great friends growing up. I think they'd compliment each other if he was ready to go on the field, but I think Kieran at the right price would be great for Phoenix Crossland, great for Tex Hoy, Great for Mason Lino, Nathaniel Sasungi, who they've got huge wraps on, who's come through their pathways. I just don't see a downside if you get him at the right price. Yep. If him and Pierce are playing together, you've got two excellent halves. And if he's not healthy, they've got a lot of good kids that they're happy with. So if you get a veteran like they did with Green, similar this year, at the right price to work with those kids, I don't see how you lose. You've got two very, very good veterans that play at a rep level when they're on the field together. Yeah, at the right price. Then if not, right. you've got two great veterans working with your good young group that you're moving forward with. Yeah. So, at the right price yep. is the key factor. But, yeah, that's a decision that will have to be had. There's been talk about Manly and a possible reuniting there. I don't know if that'll pan out. But, yeah, I think the Newcastle one for me when I look at it, just I on face value. With, with Des there, but... Yeah, I guess, again, cap situation. Nice. They've already got Schuster. Do they see him after the way he played on the weekend, being someone they bring in straight away next year? Do yes, they persist I, with Dylan Walker? Would be. They re-signed Cust, like, I don't know if they have as much need, but I think Foran and Pierce, why healthy, could be good. And then if not, you've got two really good guys to work with, a good group of young kids uh, that they've brought through. So just an option. Tigers Manly, speaking of that game, 22-20. This kind of just sums up both teams, in all honesty. The Tigers weren't looking to crash up on the back foot. and Manly, hot and cold. Manly, red hot and aggressive and getting through the middle and their two front rows, Roland and Cherry Evans' hands all over the football. Harper gets in a couple of times. They're dominating. And then concede a couple of tries, jump back out to a lead, I think get to 32-16, take Schuster off. They lose to Fua, so they're in another one of these situations where they've got injuries and a reshuffle and they look a little bit vulnerable and you're thinking, nah, no way. And then bang. The Tigers string together 11 passes for one of the tries of the season. Then... Nofaluma scores another corker and then the Dewey kick right near the end. I was sitting there with my partner and said to her, right now I just feel sick if I was Des Haslam. She's like, what do you mean? I go, you just get a vibe when you know you're in trouble yeah. and it's going to happen in the worst possible way. And that yeah. kick, when he plucked it out of the air, just... Was the worst possible it's way. It's the worst possible way. It wasn't a constructive try. Or it wasn't a set play and pulling him apart or passes. It just hung up there and you felt he was going to come down with it and to concede 16 points or whatever it was in the last 10 minutes and lose that game really does sum up Manly's year. And Yeah, like Schuster, really, really good on debut, and now they're saying ankle injury, and he's done for the year. And Hopewadi's played the last few weeks, and then today they're basically saying, well, we don't know if Tom will play now or Dylan Walker. And honestly, what's the point? I wouldn't be risking Tom. And the big one for me, like people are saying, well, if he plays a game or two to prove that he's ready for Origin, etc. if I'm the club and I've paid him a million dollars and he has been healthy, fuck Origin. He's not, no playing, offense. he's not playing Origin. We're paying your bills and you haven't been available and you've been injured over and over again. If anything, I'm getting into the sports science or doctors or whoever this off-season and I'm trying to figure out how we can stop this from happening again. Yep. Because, honestly... Because I'm get, sick of watching him run around and play good for New South Wales. And yeah, not be healthy. But if, if given the season right now, like his priorities need to lie with the club. 
Yeah. And they're the ones who made the long-term investment. He hasn't been healthy. Um, If I'm Manly, I wouldn't play him again, even if he is ready to go. I'm just basically saying we're done. Dylan Walker, do they have him tied up? I don't know. But same deal if he's not healthy. Anyone that has a problem right now, no dice. Good sample size of Schuster. Uh, The size of his body, I don't know if he'll be a six permanently moving forward or whether he turns into a center or what he does, but... No doubt, haven't seen him firsthand last year in the 18s and some junior reps. He's going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, he's good. But they've named Ben Trebojevic in their 21 this week. I don't know if that's more so from injury. I don't think development-wise he's as ready. I don't think he's he's had a, a shoulder surgery himself mm. and not played any football this year. So I don't know at 19 and basically no cup or no flag if that's the greatest idea. But Who are they playing on the weekend? Uh, this weekend, Manly... Oh, where is it? I've bloody written it down here. Bulldogs. So okay, maybe not a bad game to give him. I thought, uh, yeah, it just summed up the year, really, didn't it? To fall apart the way they did. Yeah, Tigers for like get get it summed up their year as well. Hot and cold. Yeah, very patchy. Not the one. Constant is Nofaluma. Unbelievable. He's been the one constant, mate. Unbelievable. It's been plenty of talk the other day. You're like, you know, he's sick of play, not playing finals, and he's going to be off contract. I tell you what. If he followed the likes of Tedesco, if he doesn't like the direction of the club, you couldn't blame him. No. I know the fans would might be filthy and say, oh, he should have stayed and he's been here for you know this long and he's our junior, etc. That's all well and good. But after nine or ten seasons, I think he's his ninth season, after what he's been through and the way he's played, there'd be so many clubs that would take on somebody like that. Yeah. And I've said it before, I don't know if there's not many more damaging set starters as far as the disruption he causes, gets quick play of the balls, gets offloads. He has an error every now and then. But he's always busy. He always puts his body on the line. If he gets a chance to finish, my God, does he finish. Yeah, he does. So he's going to be definitely well sought after. But uh, Dewey, better night out in the centres in by. Some of the ball playing from the fullback, not bad. Is that the solution long-term moving forward? Still don't think it is. And now they're talking about buying Josh out of car and paying him a stack to play mm-hmm. fullback again. We talk about smart decisions or good ways to spend your money in future planning. I just don't see how that's no, a I great agree, idea. Yeah. I'm not saying he can't turn into a fullback. But you don't pay high-end fullback he's money. A wing, he's a winger who wants fullback money. Mm. And there's no guarantee that's going to work out. So in the situation they're in right now, it's just not good business. Yeah, It may work out, and I could eat my words, but given, as we said, the whole setup, it's just not what they need right now. Mm. The Tarmow thing I could sort of understand for the right price, but uh, yeah, paying a rep winger fullback money right now, just don't get it. For Manly, uh, DC was pretty good shoes, like we said on debut, not a bad showing there. A couple of those forwards, but... Uh, it's over. The season's done. Yeah. They need to sort out the off-season, the Farnu situation. That's the big one because the hookers have hurt them this year and sort Tom out. Mm-hmm. He needs to be healthy and ready to go. Plain and simple. Uh, Roosters Canberra. Great game. Ripper game of football. But the biggest thing I took away from here is defensively... Uh, the, I don't know. Well, I could say Melbourne will throw more probably. Penrith definitely need to add some bits and pieces and they'll be able to do enough damage and ask some questions, but the Raiders threw a fair bit at the Roosters and their goal on defense in a game that really mattered and getting up for it emotionally, mentally, physically on the weekend, that was final speed. That was a finals game. Defensively, they were back to premium Roosters. Yeah. They were outstanding. The way you they were. see that's where like, their focus is going. Yeah. They've, they've certainly had some weeks where you look and go, oh, that haven't been that great and people have asked questions. I have no doubt when the time comes, they're a team that can kick into gear. Yep. People questioned that last year, but when the finals came, that's exactly what they did. But Cordner a couple of weeks back now, Tupo, the Morrises have had some games on and off. 
Teddy's been playing a lot more first receiver while Kiri's been out, and he was basically a passenger the other night because you know he couldn't get hit. But, you know, Freddie Lassie, huge ask of a kid to go in the middle and play huge minutes for friend. They targeted him more than truly held his own. Flanagan, I thought, had his best game as far as hands-on and controlling that football, and to me, he proved a point that he's the one to partner Kiri. Yeah. Um, you know, the Sonny Bill gimmick, I know a lot of people were over it, and I was over it as well, and... As we said before, my whole point originally, people blowing up that they are, they're cheating the cap and they're getting you back. You're talking like you're getting back this world better. Like yeah. he was gassed after 10 minutes. Yeah. He was chase, over chasing for people. And I, I don't know if they do carry him into their seven into the finals. I, you'd say they brought him back, they probably will do. But if you've got the option of Orbison or. I think it depends on who the opposition yeah, is. Yeah, Poasso or whoever it is. I don't know if he's in your 17 or not. Not if he's the way he was on the weekend. I don't think you could just roll him. Mm. I think what Robinson wants to see is can he handle the middle? Yeah. If he can't handle the middle and he's just an out and out back rower, then With their side, he's going to find it hard. Yeah. With Satilli, Cordner, etc., you can't yeah. do it. But uh, overall, they were great. Tedesco, again, with everyone back on board, 15 or so tackle breaks, a couple of tries. He was just absolutely everywhere. Yeah. But they're only going to get better. Kiri's going to get more confidence, the ribs, and get back on the ball, which will take a little bit of responsibility off Flanagan, who was outstanding. Friend gets a week off for a head knock. Freddie's proved that if they do want to carry him, he can more than adequately do that job. And when they've got closer to their full side, we see how stacked their benches. Mm. Uh, for Canberra, their middles were great. Pavali's first hit before he got injured. That was huge. Tapine, the last couple of weeks, has played the sort of football that got him the reputation that he had four or five years ago when he moved there to the Raiders on big money. If he plays like that every week, he's a world beater. I thought the halves through the kitchen sink. They made some errors, yes. Um, they certainly took on the Roosters in every aspect, but just defensively, I thought they were too good. Yeah. Canberra just, with the troops they've got, they're playing fantastically. Mm. Uh, and they're playing tough, and they're holding their own, and they're not beating themselves. The Roosters, to me, look like they just did this in third gear on the, on Saturday night. They were just like Pong. They just kept blocking the Raiders away, blocking them away, blocking them away. When they had their chances, they took advantage. Mm. The try to Tupo was almost unfair. Yeah. Like the kick and catch. Um, but yeah, the, the Roosters, their mindset certainly shifted over there to their defence. Yeah, that so. went finals mode right there. It did. They just went complete yeah. lockdown. But yeah, they frustrated Canberra and they threw the kitchen sink, like I said, especially the halves, getting their hands on the ball. They risked it to get the biscuit a few times and probably the errors. I'll, um, I'll be looking at the Roosters in every game they play now for... Um, points against to be 0 to 10 there's actually markets you can bet on yeah that's a good bet um, really good bet because you just know that that's, that's where their sole focus is going to be at this point in time yeah Canberra 66% completions like I said tried to throw the kitchen sink 15 errors to 8 certainly didn't help but they rolled on the roosters they got inside 20 but inside 20 they're just, they're just a different story they really are oh 100% but moving on Eels Warriors spoke about it before Quick start. Crazy game. Got yeah. their numbers wrong on the left edge. Then Tavanga gets put in the bin. I thought it was a shit call. In all honesty, I know everyone's saying, well, it is a punch. Like, it was dead set of baby tap. And honestly, go through the rest of this year and don't tell me that they've stopped penalising punches yeah. slash slaps. Like, I've seen slaps. I'm not talking about like, comparisons. Uh, I'm just talking about that was a punch. Whether he's got his jersey or whether he doesn't, why is he doing it? Yeah, don't do I've it. I've seen slaps and we said all that stuff was outroared and I've seen plenty of them that don't Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree with that. So there's inconsistency yeah. in that being applied, but I think to apply it is the right thing to do. It's a punch. It's dumb. Shouldn't have done it. Cost your team uh, 10 in the bin. Cost your team probably a, a better chance of winning the game. It's just stupid. There's no excuse for it. No. Well, they lost their composure 
a little bit there, Parramatta after that, and didn't take advantage. They got one try out of it, I think. But back end of the half, the Warriors just set themselves on fire again and just played to their middle. Yep. Roger carved them through the guts. They rolled upfield. Tohu, Jazz, Tavanga, second phase, Tavita Harris, grabbed a double before half time, and the rock was on. Parramatta felt the iron, and it almost felt like that Bulldogs game that we watched a couple of weeks ago where they jumped out to an early lead and yeah, they just yeah, didn't yeah. go on with it. And the other team come after him and they got the jitters. They mm. ended up getting away with it. But it's it, an 80-minute performance, Parramatta. Yeah. We're just not seeing it. So, And if they really want to beat the top four teams and challenge for a premiership, premiership, premiership. They're, uh, they're really going to have to play more consistent footy across the full 80. 100%. For the Warriors, again, another they're excellent effort that we just... Keep wondering when they're going to have flattened out. They took their two lone players back off them. They had a couple of guys that couldn't play. There was four changes, and they just turned up again. They just need to keep playing crazy ball. Hiku, very dangerous down that edge. Really found some good form. Roger, like we said, was outstanding. Tavita Harris, probably showing that him and Nicarima are probably not such a bad combination mm. if they play together and they play the style of football that they've been playing now and have given a bit of a freedom. Still think they need a better nine situation. Uh, a couple more quality middles. But, yeah, Jazz, that... that that little bit of a brain snap, yeah, it didn't help, but he's been great along with Tohu and for Parramatta. Nathan Brown always in the thick of things. The the two front rowers, I think Campbell Gillard fired up as that game. He's been a little bit quiet for a month. He wasn't too bad, but uh, I still think Moses on his own, too quiet. Brown's yeah. really more underrated, I think, than most people give him credit for. Totally agree. So definitely need to see a, a bit more out of Parramatta the next few weeks, but uh, yeah, given... Their money's worth in the last game of the round. Cowboys, Dragons, I guess. Another one that just sums up the season of someone like the Cowboys uh, and the Dragons. Cowboys get their first win since June, I think it was, but no Morgan, no Tal Malolo heading up there. Dragons, a lot of people on board with, thinking they were favoured. They almost lost the game to Brisbane the other week. They obviously mm. came up short uh, last week and had their pants pulled down this one in Golden Point. Yeah, and deservedly so. They were inconsistent. They could have won quite easily. They float in and out of games. Everything that Dean Hunt, uh, Dean Young has said, Dean Hunt. Excellent. Everything that Dean Young has said um, publicly about their performances and their consistency, etc., is spot on. And that's why they lose games. That's why they lost this game. And things don't really look like they're going to improve in the short term. So that's going to be a battle for Anthony Griffin to, to push up Hill. Yeah. And I think there were some confusing things in this one for me. I. I think Ben Hunt was doing a really good job at nine, and I know he's got Britain there to probably give him a rest from the defensive load, but the game's in the balance. You don't change that. I don't agree with that move. Corey Norman, a couple of line breaks, some poor passes, some poor decisions, one in particular there where he was literally just going to walk over the try line. Mm. And he threw a terrible pass where Felt was turned out, and the fullback in Holmes was holding off him. He literally could have just cruised over the line. So, again, way too hot and cold, way too patchy in games, defensive lapses, and... For a young cowboy side who went back to Clifford and Drinkwater, Drinkwater again showed his potency in attack, had his hand in a couple of tries. Mm. Clifford's kicking game was okay, but the forwards stood up. You had Molo, again, who, like I said, got locked in, and a couple of these guys uh, played a half-decent game and keep him in the fight. And Holmes, who had a terrible start and made a bunch of errors in the first half, really came into his own in the second half and showed some positive signs. So uh, for them, I guess, it's just trying to finish the year on a high note and roll through some of these players that we talked about and figure out who's good, who's worth build. Yep, that's right. moving forward with and then uh, attack the off-season with the new coach and see where they're heading. But there you go. Reviews of the game's done from the weekend box. Let's do the tips and wrap us up for the weekend and look at these lineups. Last week, you got six, I got five. So Manly blew it for me. 
after that lead. Yep, and then I it, think uh, I stole one back at the end of the round with the Cowboys. That's it, you the Cowboys. You as well, I think, last week, didn't you? I can't remember. I've got one of them somewhere here, I think. Did I keep it? No, Manly. I took the Warriors. The Warriors game. That's right. That one. Warriors, so, and then I got one back on the Cowboys. So you're on 101. I'm on 100. Let's kick it off. Tigers South, the first game of the upcoming round. The Tigers are unchanged from last week. And for the Rabbitohs, Dane Gagai is supposed to return like he was supposed to last week. And Totola is out. So Liam Knight goes into the front row. Jed Cartwright comes on to the bench. What do you reckon? Tigers or South? South. I'm sticking with South as well, despite those changes. Interested to see, though, these two usually have a red-hot crack at each other. There have been some good games the yeah. last couple of years, but the odds, the bookies agree. South are $1.36, thirty fifteen. about the West's Tigers. The early Friday game, Dogs oh. Manly. A swag of changes for the Bulldogs here. Marcelo Montoya, Holland and Foreign are all out. Jade Nockenball's suspension's over. He's back on the wing. Dallin moves to the centres alongside Remus Smith, who's recalled. Jake Avarillo, finally, is going to play 5-8. Right? I would have liked to have seen him with Foran, but yeah. um, this week, different story. Luke Thompson is now starting at lock with Aiden Tolman moving to prop. Napa's out injured. Thompson was good live the other day. Yeah. He looked fast and strong. Wakeham and Suasso Sue are now on the bench. And for the Eagles, Tafua's out with that Achilles injury. He's going to be out for about six months. And Josh Schuster's out for the rest of the season. So Avis Miski comes onto the wing. The man saw clone and Kate Cust is back at six. I'm sticking with Manly. Yeah, but, me too. Um, yeah, I think it's more now that Foreign and a couple of those guys, that massive reshuffle. Also how they lost last week. Yeah, it wasn't exactly the greatest of signs, but um, yeah, Manly need to win this one. They have to. Otherwise, that'll be absolutely demoralising for their fans and the way this season's ending. I'd love to see the Bulldogs somehow get away from that wooden spoon, but now they've got Foreign out for the rest of the year. I'm not sure they're going to have the points to do it. But hopefully Abrilla has a good showing. In the halves, but for the bookies, three dollars are the Bulldogs, a dollar forty are Manly in this one. Panthers Parabrock, Battle of the West, mm. prime time Friday night. I want to go. Anyone's got a ticket, yeah. let me know. Hit us up. I'm sure we desperately won't get one, but we're trying. Just two. Isaiah Yo, he returns from his head knock. Fish goes back to the front row. Leota back to the bench, and Catewell shifts out. So they're sticking with the bench. Of Tedavano, Lainu, and Leota, three middles, and Mays holding that utility spot. I guess, you know, if Catewell never gets injured at the start of the year and Martin doesn't really get his crack, he, he might still be there. But given the long layoff, the injuries, and the form, I can understand it. But I think he's a hell of a player, Catewell. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is what happens sometimes. Just trying to fit him in, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. A great situation to be in for Penrith. For the Eels, they've named Reid Marnie, even though he's supposed to be out. So we'll figure later in the week whether he's going to be playing. But mm. uh, Will Smith's been named in the extended reserve, so keep your eye on that one. Uh, other than that, Andrew Davies back in, Murata's out, and on with you as well. Panthers yeah. to avenge the loss from early in the year at home. Um, Battle of the West. Hopefully, Parramatta fire up for this one, but yeah should be a good game Panthers $1.36 Parramatta three fifteen. I thought it might have been a bit tighter giving the clashes they have but bookies disagree Saturday kicks off for the Raiders up against the Dragons and a debutant for the Dragons young Ramsey Cody Ramsey the fullback from the 20s and their player of the year in that situation who carved up at the 90s he's getting a crack on the wing Ravalawa out of the side Vaughney returns from suspension with a new front row pairing Dean Young has put Kate Ellis in the start with Paul Vaughan Kerr and Blake Laurie go to the bench. Fui Mano drops out and for the Raiders. They've named the same 17. Papali's supposed to 
uh, be uh, good to go and maybe needle up. And Soliola is working his way back, potentially a late inclusion. So uh, I'll be sticking with the Raiders. Raiders. Dragons, uh, yeah, just nowhere near consistent enough. And you know the Raiders will at least be more consistent across the 80. Better in attack, definitely better defensively. But, yeah. Titans, Broncos. Oh, sorry, the odds for that one. 265 of the Dragons, $1.47 for the Raiders. So a bit closer mm. than probably what you'd expect, but maybe a bit of hesitation there from the bookies given Josh Papali's situation. Your mob. Clash. Big brother, little brother. Yeah. Titans, Broncos. For the Titans, you've got a few changes. Brian Kelly's out of the side, so Bo Fumor is going to cover the centres. Hipgrave comes into the back row. Jolief is out as well with an ankle problem. Mo Fodawaker. Moves into the starting side. Whitbread is added to the bench. And Jai Arrow back this week. Probably likely to come from the bench to the starting side. For Brisbane, Alex Glenn is back. Ben Teo's to the bench. Jordan Riki and Hopawade are both suspended. Offerhen Gawe is back on the bench. And so is Xavier Coates. You think the Titans will get it done against the Broncos again? I do. Yeah, I do. I'm tipping them, but I think it'll be closer. It's going to be closer, definitely. Because they hate each other, and I think they're in a better situation right now, just attitude-wise. The Broncos, Broncos are trying to avoid the longest ever losing streak in the club's history, so yeah. they've got everything to play for. Big bickies, but the bookies, $1.62 for the Titans, two thirty-five for the Broncos. So, again, not massive difference there, but uh, slight favouritism towards the Titans, and rightfully so, the way they've been playing. Roosters, Newcastle, I think we can not even look at the lineups of this one. I'm pretty sure the Roosters, everyone's back on board. Jake Friend's back. And for the Knights, they're going to rest Ponga, Barnett, Heimel, Hunt, play a couple of the other guys. They're not going to be able to push their way into the top four. So, obviously, the coach, similar to what we said last week, looking at the COVID situation, looking where they are, resting a few guys who were playing big minutes and beating up a bit physically and reintroducing Tex Hoy, Edric Lee from injury, and SES, he will start, and Daniel Safidi potentially back this week. So, just more prepping up for the finals. Some boppers returning. Roosters, I think, definitely in this one. But for Newcastle, can understand what they're doing. You're obviously tipping the Roosters as well. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Dollar yeah. ten for the bookies. Seven dollars yeah. for Newcastle in the last two games of the round. Melbourne Storm kick off the Sunday action. Pappenhausen's out with an Achilles injury. Nico Hines, the fullback, sorely back injury from a broken jaw. Lumi Lumi out to the bench. Nelson back early for Welch spot. Riley Jackson onto the bench with Chris Lewis admitted, and for the Cowboys, same seventeen. I think, uh, again, unanimous that we're going to tip Melbourne here. Yep. 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 Good uh, effort from the Cowboys, but it was against the Dragons. A they dollar, no Melbourne Storm. Nah, $1.08 uh, Melbourne. $8 for the Cowboys. Wow. In the last game of the round, Sharks-Warriors, big clash coming up here. Sean Johnson returns and will play with Townsend out. Johnson will be partnered by Connor Tracy with Trindle out of the side. Sasifa Talakai back into the back row to replace Wade Graham. Toby Rudolph is at lock after avoiding suspension. Sione Katoa is back from his injury on the wing. Goodwin goes to the reserves, and Fafita is on the bench. For the Warriors, they get back Jennings and Alvaro now that they're not playing the Eels. Jared Beale and bench forward Josh Curran out of the side. Isaiah Papali'i starts at prop, and Burr goes back to the interchange. Brock Warriors, Warriors. to get the job done. So The New Zealand Warriors. The Warriors at Mount Smart Stadium. Mm. We've tipped uh, the same round, so I there think... It's a bit more clear-cut this week. I said last week was the critical week in our confidence pool, and it, I blew it. You blew it! You blew it, you lose. Yeah, not good. I fell out of the money spots. I'm right on the fringe. I need to jag something back in the next three weeks. But there you go. You do. Brock, 
He's looking for Eels Panthers tickets. If you're out there, and you can help help the man out. Please, sweet baby Jesus. He'll buy you beer. He'll give you a hug. He'll talk to you. He'll comfort you. I won't be doing any of that. Well, he'll buy, he'll buy it from you. I'll buy beer. And he'll buy you beer. So there you go. I'm, I'm happy if, if one comes up, you just go, mate. Leave me out. I'll, I'll go by myself, mate. I'm and happy. I'll sit on the hill by myself and I'll just have a think about the game and whether Parramatta can win the comp or not. Look, I'm happy to be a team player. If a ticket comes along, Brock, it's all yours. If some fan is happy to take you holeless bowlers, you go for it. Yeah. So... I don't really want to go with some random, to be honest. Oh, come on. No. I would. I, I, yeah, see, I'm not that type of guy. <laughs> I'm totally antisocial. Antisocial. And I hate people. I'd oh, much rather wow. just go by myself. I'm, at the football, I don't like going with people. I like I people. took my daughter on Saturday. She's two. She didn't say a word. She just sat there and watched. She loved it. It was great. It was the best because she, can't, she can't ask a stupid question or <laughs> interrupt me from watching the game. It's great. Uh. So... Quality yeah. answers. Well, there you go. For, yeah. the, for the listeners out there, if you ever see Brock, don't buy him a beer. He hates people. No, yeah, I do. <laughs> the footy, I'm there to watch the footy, not to talk to you. Uh, so, oh, the answer's harsh. a pineapple. Feel free to come talk to me. I'm always up yeah, for the chat. you will. You'll fucking talk the ear off. <laughs> so, I do not want to talk to people at the football. Come on, mate. You've got to be... Trying a... to analyse the fucking game. I like watching the game. If I, if I wanted to talk to people, I'd go to the pub and face away from the TV, mate. You can do both. I multitask. Yeah, I can't. It's a good time. I can't. I'm not concentrating enough if I'm holding a conversation uh, or watching. Oh, well, that so, wraps us up for another week, I'm I, sure. I doubt I'll get a ticket to the Panthers game now. I'm sure you'll post another one in the conversation and but hope for okay. one. But yeah, he's still looking, ladies and gentlemen. So that's if you can okay. help him out, even though I was about to say he'll hang out with you and your posse, even though he's just shot that down completely. I can't be doing basically that. Basically no. told you he's not going to fucking deal with anyone. Just no. give him a ticket. <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't. I don't want anyone to give me a ticket. No, nah, you'll buy a ticket. I'll buy. Oh, you'll buy. If, if someone's got a got a fair, uh, if one spare, then I'm your man. He's willing to pay top dollar. To I'm not going to pay top dollar to the no. football. <laughs> I'm paying top dollar. Ah, well. Everybody out there again. But if you've got one, mate, let me know. Shout out to everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, things seem to be trending good. New South Wales, Queensland, etc. Obviously, the, the you know, border closures don't seem they're going to happen, but. Everyone's what about those wankers, those two premiers? They're kidding themselves. Numbers seem to be good for all the states. So Hello, Shane. Uh, Dan the man. Well, for, again, shout out to everyone in Melbourne that listens to the show. Hopefully you oh, do How well. do you live under the dictatorship of that bloke? Fair income. It's going to lock you away for longer now. I'm not getting involved in it, but plain and Seriously. simple. I uh, hope you're all doing well. Hopefully uh, so do I, keeping yourself nothing. busy or talking to each other, texting your mates, family, etc. Doing the best you can of a bad situation and fingers crossed. I'll tell you what, soon. a pineapple would do a better job than him. Wow. Wow. He's a fool and a waste of time. But Good again, night. For everybody, <laughs> hope everyone's uh, safe, healthy, doing well. A couple of weeks and we'll be in the finals action. Yeah, well, hopefully the grand finals at ANZ. Well, hopefully we can hopefully, get there. Yeah, I know. We're members, but limited numbers. Hopefully there's some changes. And- well, listen, if I'm a member and I don't get to the GF, there's gonna be, I'm going to be at the next board meeting. By default, this te- if we get restricted by COVID, that technically can't be the end of the streak, surely. Oh, it will be. Yeah, but it's in by default. It be, yeah, well, bad luck. It'll be the end of my 20-year stroke. Is this year 20? Yeah. No, I've been to 20. I think this is year 15 for me. Last year was 20. So I'd be filthy, but see how we go. And 2000 to 2019, 20. Oof. So. Come on, AZ. Yeah, this will be 21. Think about me. the people. Think about the fans. 
Give the tickets to the people who pay for their membership. Give the fucking tickets to the people that actually watch the game. Not these corporate flogs that just don't care and are going to sit wine all day and have no respect for the game. This is a year where you should be looking after the fans. You know, when you've got 90,000 in there, look after the corporates and do all that stuff. But this year it's for the soul of the earth. Grand final, sure. I've been to 20 in a row. I should be the first person walking through the gates. Otherwise, (laughs) I would strangle someone. Uh, oh, well, we'll wrap it up at that. But everyone, like I said, happy out to there. steal me two hundred and fifty every year when there's eighty thousand to get me through the gate. What's that? What's twenty times two hundred and fifty? It's a lot. Yeah. It's five grand. Fair bit of weight. Mind you, I paid that for one Super Bowl ticket. So yeah, I am a desperado. Yeah, so I don't even want to reflect on how much money I spent on tickets last year in the US. Yeah, it was, well, a, it was a fair weight. You just do it. Yeah, got to do it. As I said, anyone in Melbourne, anywhere, hopefully you're doing well. All the other states as well. Hopefully things keep trending in the right direction. Life keeps getting back closer to normal. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. And don't forget, Brock's looking for a ticket. Mm. <laughs> Three tickets. Three tickets, all right. But if, if you only get one... Me, you and me, you and Timmy Witt. He'll take it if you get one, though. My horse is running on Friday, too. Oh, well, you should have taken it before I said it. Give people the update then before we parochial. go. It's running in... Uh, parochial. Running in, uh, parochial. Um, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. It's running at Goulburn. I don't even know what fucking race it's in. I don't know. But I'm sure you're smart enough if you're a punter to just scroll down through just Goulburn. It's in a maiden. It'll be in one of the earlier races, I'd imagine. You won't miss it. Parochial. Parochial. It won't win, but so don't back it. It's a great name. It's, uh, it's a horse I've got to share in with Timmy Witt and a few other boys. So it's good fun. It's pretty cool when your horse jumps out and it's going to get its first start on Friday, hopefully. It was doing work today, so they were going to either give it the tick of approval or um, or maybe throw it back to the paddock. So, But uh, it's definitely been nominated, so it'll either be scratched or it'll run. But don't. But maybe back it for a place if you can have a bet. But don't have any more than $5 on it. Oh, there you go. Because I shan't be fielding complaints. And if you send a complaint through, the response you get won't be nice. Because <laughs> if I throw a dog a bone, I don't want to know what it tastes like. Excellent. Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll wrap it up on that one. Stay safe, everyone. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.